Welcome to the Speakeasy Noir Cast, a podcast discussing film noirs of yesterday and neo noirs of today. Each week, we're going to deliver a discussion of our analysis of classic noir films, and occasionally we'll interview up and coming directors and writers of new neo noir films, all mixed in with our unintelligible banter. Your hosts for the show, Jason D. Morris and Carly Street. Hello, Carly. We finally made it. This is episode two of season three. Take 507. It's taken us... Right? (laughs) It's been a bit of a challenge trying to get this episode going. We've had a lot of technical issues, folks. Uh, Wow. (laughs) It's amazing that we're able to to actually be, be talking at the moment and we're we're excited about that. <laughs> it's a little bit like the universe didn't want it to happen and we said, in your face. Yeah, we said, fuck it, we're doing it anyway. Sorry, universe. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. give up. That's all right. Hey, you got you to gotta do what you got to do. And we did it. And we're here with another movie and another drink and a lot of nonsense. So, you know, and I got to say, have you, I, I've read some reviews of the show. Have you read any reviews of the show? No. Okay. Well, there's, there's, there's some good ones and there's some bad ones. And there's some people that are just like, oh, the show's, how do you say it? Rubbish, Carly? With your, your, your Britness. Bollocks. Bollocks. Ball. It sounds like you're saying ball licks, but we'll just I go. I mean, all that. I know what it means. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're not, we're not film noir aficionados. We're, we're connoisseurs, I guess. We like, we love film noir and you know, we're, we're just, uh, we're having fun and we hope you guys have fun along with us. And, and if you don't, and, then don't listen. Yeah. Fuck off. You know, <laughs> go listen to something else. Yeah. Not to alienate you, but you know, to alienate you. Yeah. Leave. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you won't be coming back to hear this anyway. So <laughs> at least we're getting reviews then. Hey. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, you know, who cares, but whatever. <clears throat> I just wanted to say fuck off to those people. So. Enjoy the show or don't, you know, that's all there is to it. Either way, we're here. <laughs> right? right. And if you don't come back for more so we can annoy the hell out of you. Cause that's fun too. Yeah. So what you been up to? Building furniture. Building furniture. All right. So how, what, what you got to walk me through that one. Well, it's only a little bedside table and then like, some sort of posh shoe rack that I've made into a table. But it was pretty extreme. It was like the Krypton factor at one point. I had to like put screws in and everything. Wow. So, okay. So confused as usual. Uh, you, you built a table and you built a shoe rack, but then you turned the shoe rack into a table. So you built two tables. Well, they're both kind of like bedside tables. When I say sort of like, Table. Okay, but there are two like items here, grand, right? We're talking two, two separate items made by myself. Yeah. Well, constructed by myself. Okay, and neither of them have gone down yet. 
Well, it was a little bit flat packy, but some of the bits were missing, so I had to improvise. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've heard of that old flat pack revolution thing. It's craziness. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I mean, congratulations, and, and they're still standing, so that's good. Yeah, right? and I've put stuff on them now, as well. Now, what are so. you putting on? Yeah, that's what I was about to ask. Like, what what have you put on said tables? Well, I've bought some funny socks. I've got some shark socks. They've got a picture of a hammer shark on it, and it says, let's get hammered. And then I've got another <laughs> set of socks. <laughs> I've got another set of socks that says kindness balloons, and it's got loads of daisies on it. So I've hung them around the side of one of them, uh-huh. as you do. Uh, I bought some little fancy little wicker boxes from about 1982 that have got batteries and loose bits of shit in. So I put them on there. <laughs> and then on my other my other little drawers, I've put a rock salt lamp from the Avon and a little smelly what is a incense rock- box. What's a rock salt lamp? Is it like made out confused. of salt? What are we, what are we talking about? Like animals come into your house and like salt lick. What what is a rock salt? You don't know what a rock salt lamp is. No, I know what rock salt is. It's like you know, but yes, I don't know what a rock salt that. lamp is. It's just that, just with a hole in the middle and the light bulb put in. So it's actual salt. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> so if you lick it, it's going to be salty. Yeah, I knew someone years ago that had one, and they like wiped it with um. <laughs> Yeah, oh, what are they called? Like the disinfectant wipes. <laughs> Slowly eroding uh-huh. it. <laughs> I swear my lamp's getting smaller. <laughs> it is, love. <laughs> Stop cleaning it. Stop dusting a rock salt oh, lamp. Fine. What are you doing? <laughs> well, congratulations, Carly. I'm I'm very happy that you're turned into Bob the Builder. Well, thank you. Cool. <laughs> Might get myself a tool set. Who knows what's next? Yeah. I'd well, I mean, if it was like, it, oh, can you imagine if I got a drill or something like a power tool? I'd be, you'd be like, oh, Carly, you need a stage. No drama. Bzz, bzz, bzz. <laughs> Don't stand on it and it'd be fine. Right. You might end up screwing your hand to the wall or something. That's like, that sounds like a dangerous uh, proposition there. I don't know about that. Well, then you've got your little one location horror film, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or the end of one, you know. Or the end of one, yeah. Move aside, so it's yeah. Carly built it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so what do we got coming up? We got, uh, so we started uh, the Dark Fest is, is uh, now accepting uh, submissions, um, which is a festival that run. If any filmmakers are out there, uh, we'd love to see see what you got. Um, you know, if you've, you've made a, a film noir or something like that, that'd be really cool. Uh, you can find it at uh, filmfreeway.com forward slash the dark fest. Um, what else we got going on, Carly? Um, haunted objects. Anything haunted objects. Yeah. If you guys haven't checked that out, we've got a show on uh, the paranormal network on YouTube. Uh, and the show is called Haunted Objects. And if you remember um, the show in the 80s and I think early 90s, uh, uh, what what's it called? Beyond belief, um, fact or beyond fiction. Beyond belief, beyond belief, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's sort of similar to that where we, but we focus on uh, haunted objects. Obviously, it's the title. Um, but it's sort of in the same same vein as that show. You should check that out. Uh, I think we're we're about to release episode four 
on the network. Um, I and really then we got like some future plans for the show as well. Yeah, that's great. Oh, oh, the episode four, you like that one? Yeah, I like seeing Evan in a wig. It's like Judge Judy, <laughs> the comedy show. I really like right? it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you guys have Judge Reinder and we have Judge Judy. And we used to have Judge Wapner. That was, that was I think, the first one. Um, and then he passed away and Judge Judy kind of took the world by storm, so to speak. Well, yeah. I mean, but, you wouldn't um, try for there, would you? Bloody hell. Yeah, but uh, what's his name? Reinder is is really funny though because he, he, so funny. he completely goes along with people and just sort of like, oh, okay, tell me more. <laughs> you know, it's like it's kind of funny because then at the end of the show, he's like, well, let me tell you why you're wrong and you're an idiot. <laughs> you know, as the word Judy is just kind of like, like you're obnoxious the whole time. You know what I mean? Like she's just sort of laying in people the whole time. So he's he's kind of funny because he's got his own style. Yeah, but, I uh, like yeah. Him. Um, yeah so you guys should check out uh episode four i think it um airs february 9th on the paranormal network on youtube um and then like i said if you're any of you guys are filmmakers out there you should hit us up on film freeway um filmfreeway.com forward slash the dark fest and you can check out the film festival that we run there um and yeah and then uh you know we've got other stuff in the works but uh, that'll be at a later date um, but for now, Carly, we should uh, start uh, talking about um, uh, the drink that we're going to have for tonight. Um, this was another drink that, you know, I picked specifically for. Actually, I didn't even pick it. I, Shawnee watched tonight's movie with me. And so she wanted to look up she wanted to help out and she looked up the drink for tonight and um it actually sounds pretty good I, I'm, I'm excited to try this one um it's very simple uh, but the drink is called black angel oh um and yeah right and it's the ingredients for the black angel is one and a half parts Hiram walker blackberry brandy which i like brandy on its own i don't think i've ever had it in a mixed drink um, but I do drink it on its own occasionally. Um, so it's one and a half parts brandy um, or blackberry brandy, uh, one lime juiced, and a whole lime. So that's a lot of that's a lot of lime juice. That's a lot of bloody lime. <laughs> yeah, um, and then a splash of club soda. All right, so it's pretty simple. Um, I, I probably would maybe go for half a lime, see how it is, and then if it needs more, maybe you know put a full one in there, but. Uh, uh, how you make this drink is you pour the blackberry brandy and the lime juice into a nice filled rocks glass and you top with a splash of club soda and garnish with a, a limed wedge. So more lime. Or I guess you could uh, garnish with uh, some blackberries as well. That might be kind of good. Um, but it's pretty simple. It's, it sounds good. Um, and I'm looking forward to trying it. What do you think, Carly? I like just brandy. I like, I just like brandy, brandy on its own? Yeah, so do I. Yeah, I like a, a nice little brandy and coke. Very nice, very nice. Yes, so I don't, I give, I don't I put anything in. Yeah, I don't put anything in brandy. I just drink it uh, just room temperature. Let my hand warm it in the glass kind of thing. <laughs> Let my hand warm it in it. the glass. Yeah, I mean, you know, because it's, you know, some people heat brandy up like you know, a little bit. They don't usually drink it as far as I am I know or I've experienced. They don't really drink it on the rocks or anything like that. But uh, maybe like a bourbon and Coke, but I don't, I don't know. I've never tried brandy and Coke. Um, but uh, yeah, this one sounds good. 
So we shall try this one, yeah? All right. All right, guys, that's the Black Angel. So check it out. One and a half parts Harem Walker, Blackberry Brandy, one lime, and a Splash Club soda. We hope you guys enjoy that and stick around for tonight's trailer. it was right i was just about to say because i haven't heard you do that in ages i was gonna say first thing i was gonna say was bloody hell that narrator sounds like you as if someone sounded like you in the 40s what a pleb i would have looked if i'd have done that and you go that's me carl <laughs> <laughs> i think i i think i did that on the last on key largo maybe didn't i i can't remember it's you know it's one of those things where a lot of these older trailers they have words on the screen Right. And there's not a lot of like voices happening. Um, so if we're going to play a trailer in an auditorial like medium, it's just music playing. Right. And that's no good. So I figured, well, I got to read the, the text on the screen so people know what the hell's going on. Um, or otherwise, it's, it's kind of pointless to even play the trailer. So some of them have a voice that will read the screen and some of them don't. And so every time we come across one like Black Angel where it doesn't you know, have any sort of trailer narration vocalized, then I got to throw my voice in there and, you know, be an idiot or sound like an idiot. Uh, <clears throat> I think you do should my, do adverts. Uh, I think Jason's noir voice should do adverts. Can you imagine your noir voice like advertising <laughs> yeah. milk or something or cigars or something like that? No, I can't. And I, I can. don't think anybody else can except you. <laughs> I can. I'm going to send some emails out. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, you know how it is. Everybody hates their own voice kind of thing. And that's 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 where I'm at with that. But hey, you got to kind of bite the bullet and do what you're going to do and, and move on. And that's what I've done. So moving on. <laughs> So that was the trailer for Black Angel, which is tonight's movie. 
Um, if you haven't guessed, which coincides with their awesome drink, the Black Angel. So you can drink your Black Angel and you can watch Black Angel and you can listen to us talk about Black Angel. So it's a threefer. All right. <laughs> Black Angel is a 1946 American film noir directed by Roy William Neal and starring Dan DeRay, which I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, June Vincent and Peter Lore. Um, but before we get into it, we need to do... And now it's time for Carly's super famous in a nutshell synopsis. A hair-flopping piano player shows us the consequences of drinking too much alcohol whilst also treating us to a series of jazz numbers. <laughs> That's true, he drinks a lot of alcohol in this movie, doesn't he? And he flops his hair a lot. <laughs> Oh, yes, he does. Yeah, and there's he a does. lot of jazz music. Yep. There is. I think, you know what? I, I When I went into this movie, I saw like the artwork and everything. I picked it and I, I, I didn't think that I'd ever seen this movie before. Like I didn't recall the title. I didn't recall anything about it, the, the description or anything like that. But like five minutes into it, Shawnee and I are both like, oh, wait a minute. We've watched this before. And I'm like, yeah, now this is familiar. What is this though? Like I couldn't place it and I didn't place it until like about halfway into the movie. And I'm like, oh, I know what happens. And then we start both like kind of rattling off everything that happens in, in the movie because it just kind of clicked. But it took so it a while. Are you watching it really? Then wasn't it the last, <laughs> the last little bit of that? Well, kind of because it was like, it was kind of strange because it was like, as the movie's going along, we're remembering what happens, but we're not fully remembering the whole movie. Right. So we're only like, it's only clicking as things are happening. So it's not like it was a total loss, but it also had this weird effect of like it not being interesting because it's like oh. every single thing that was happened, it's like, it's, it's hitting a memory. Right. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. So I remember that. Okay. I remember that. I remember that. And then halfway through the movie, it's like, Oh, now I remember the whole movie. And so it was like this weird sort of, mental thing I was doing to myself where I was like, I almost wasn't letting myself enjoy it because I'm sitting here purposely trying to remember what the hell this movie was <laughs> and the last time that I watched it and how that happened. Um, but once it, once we got to like the middle and I recalled everything about it, I recalled that I really liked it. And so that was kind of cool. But at the time it was just sort of like this sort of, uh, I don't know, this unfun game I'm playing in my head trying to recall what the hell this movie was. <laughs> Ooh, do you know what a fun game that I uh, came up with when I was watching it? I have no idea. Fall asleep time? No, no. A drinking game for every time jazz music starts. <laughs> Jeez, so you wouldn't, you're ironically, to kill you wouldn't make it to the end. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't anyway. make it through the first, I don't know, half hour. <laughs> <laughs> I'd really like to overdub yep. some of the bits when he's on the piano, just going, da, 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 da. <laughs> just having really shit music. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? That was, that's one of my um, negatives of this movie, but I'll, I'll talk about that later. All right. Um, it is one of the piano pieces, but that's, that's super funny that you say like the dun, 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 that was that Perry, not Perry else. What's the hell is the name of that? Um, Anyway, um, that would be hilarious though, to do like a, um, 
Mystery Science Theater 3000, like dub of the film. <laughs> oh my God. Well, that's my first dub um, messing about with editing stuff, isn't it? I'm just going to be lost for about two weeks just making a silly video that means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Have you done them dead so, um, videos, Carly? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, the, uh, the nightclub owner, Peter Lore, um, I couldn't, he was another, he was an actor. I know he's like, everybody knows him, but I couldn't, for whatever reason, like, again, my brain wasn't working. I couldn't click what else I've seen him in. Um, you know, it's like, I know he's been parodied, par- parodied, par- parodied, par- oh, <laughs> par- parodied, <laughs> saying that right. <laughs> No comment. No comment. Um, <laughs> he's been made fun of <laughs> on the Looney Tunes, along with like Bogart and whatnot, right? Um, and uh, I, I've like I've seen him in other stuff. I just couldn't place it and didn't you know really recognize the name per se and all that kind of stuff. But I know he's been around or whatever, and I just couldn't place it. But I really think he's great. I think he's fantastic. He's and then uh, the next. Yeah, yeah. And then like two nights later or whatever it was, Shawnee and I um, hit up the movies because they did this 80th anniversary release of Casablanca. And he's in that. And I totally forgot he's in it because he's a very small part. He's not in it for, for very long, but it's like kind of like a catalyst character for the film. And he's really great in that as well. He's just, he's just, a, he's a, he's an awesome actor. So it was great to see him in this and Is sort of shine a Falcon more. or not? Am I misplacing him? He is, yeah. Uh, I believe he's in the Maltese Falcon as well, yeah. So, um, yeah, um, he's just a great actor. Everybody in this, I thought, did a, did a great job. Um, it's a pretty solid film. Um, and uh, in the book uh, Dark City, the film Noir by Spencer Selby, he calls Black Angel an important, stylish B-noir featuring Dan DeRay as the iconic... Sorry ironic not iconic ironic central character um and i don't know what he means by ironic um i'm not sure what that really means because i i thought he played that role pretty well like he doesn't i i you know he's played the tough guy and all that kind of stuff but he doesn't really come off to me as like a bogart kind of tough guy no he was a nice refreshing change yeah, he, he's he's different, and that's the, I think that that's this really to me was a perfect movie for him because there's that softer, more vulnerable side to to him as an actor that you don't typically see in you know those tough guy roles. So I thought it worked out pretty well, and it makes it makes his uh, story arc more believable um, once you get there. You know. Um, so I thought he was really a great fit for it. So I'm not really sure what what the comment ironic really means, but um, I thought it was perfect for it. I wouldn't call it ironic at all, but what do I know? That's it. You know, nothing. Um, and Roy, nothing. Yeah, right. Right. That's, that's what our reviewers say too. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're taking uh, it Roy to William heart. Neal. I, I'm taking, I'm so angry. No, I'm not actually. I thought it was funny when I saw it. I was, it made me chuckle. Cause I'm like, you're right. You're right. They are on, probably <laughs> you right. listen. Yeah. They're probably right on the ball to be honest. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's all good. It's, Hey, you know what? It is what it is. But, um, so the director, Roy William Neal, 
Uh, he was a pretty prolific director. He directed over a hundred films. I um, mean, he started, uh, his first film was in 1917 and he directed mostly silent films. Um, and he never really made it big. Exactly. This, uh, he did a lot of B films, um, and over half of them were silent. Right. Um, but he was known for very meticulous lighting and, and layering shadows. And some people have said that his style had sort of become film noir. Like that's where it, it sort of came from. Um, and so he's sort of credited with sort of, I wouldn't say starting film noir, he but is film contributing. Noir. Yeah. Kind of like his, his, his lighting style and, and the way his, his, his use of shadows, um, I wouldn't say influenced film noir, but it really, I would say became it like that's, that's, that style led to film noir, not, not as like an homage or anything like that, but just it, it, the feel and the style just became important to where filmmakers sort of took on that, that look and the feel. And it's probably because he made so many damn movies leading up into the forties, you know? Um, so they, you know, they really consider him as like a, a pioneer of the genre. At least I would, even though like he didn't do a lot of noir. Like, I think, I think um, black angel might've been his only real noir or at least, the only one that he's really known for. Um, however, but one thing that you'll be interested in um, is that he couldn't find a lot of work in the U S. So he moved back to London. I know what you're going to say. I know. I know. Okay. I, all right. All right. Well, so he moved back to London where there was a lot more directing opportunities for American directors. Um, and that's where he directed most of his movies later in his life. Um, but he got caught up making films uh, in, for, not for, but with the character Sherlock Holmes. With Basil Rathbone, and the best Sherlock Holmes with ever. Basil, right, yeah, which is exactly right. <laughs> so he ended up making 11 Sherlock Holmes films starring Basil Rathbone, which is amazing because that's, well, it's a lot of films. That's a lot of Basil Rathbone. Yeah. Yeah. But they, you know, they were successful and that's where he, you know, spent a lot of time playing in that, that realm. And then, and then he does all that and then does uh, Black Angel. And then that's his last film. That's it. He's done. Um, So he's had, he had a pretty interesting career, you know, and starting early with silent films and being able to make over a hundred films and, um, you know, being sort of a a pioneer, so to speak of the film noir style or the look at least. Um, and then having his, uh, um, you know, his last, his last film be a very, very solid, credible film noir. So I've got Um, an idea. Another. Just to to completely interrupt you. I've got another idea while it's in my head. What we should do as well, yeah. so we should have another rating. Is the director film noir or not? Oh, well, you could, we'll probably get shot for that, though, if we Maybe. if we say the wrong thing. 
Maybe. There's, there's, but I did some... say that Chinatown wasn't very good, so I'm already like on someone's dartboard. So I don't really mind. Oh, I you're on a, you. Yeah. Uh, you're on a lot of people's hit lists is what you are. Yeah. Well, I told you, <laughs> if we sell dartboards with my face on, we make a mint. We won't even need to make films. We'll just do that when we're bored. What should we spend the money on? Oh, let's, why don't we make a cheesy horror? <laughs> <laughs> you know? We might have to explore that opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, exploit that opportunity. Exploit or explore. Same thing. Same difference. <laughs> <laughs> Get them on the website. Um, so I've got one more little cool tidbit here um, about Neil. All right. First thing uh, too. So I'm a huge, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of of Hitchcock, which is no secret. Most people are that care about film. Um, some people consider him overrated, but I really love him. I think his his work's great. Um, but um, uh, Black Angel's director was originally supposed to direct The Lady Vanishes. Oh. Um, however, there was a bunch of delays in the production, and that caused scheduling conflicts. So that ultimately went to Alfred Hitchcock um, to direct as you know everybody knows already but um, I thought that was pretty cool because I it makes me wonder like I wonder what that would have turned out like you know, every time yeah. that there's a sort of director change or even like an actor change I'm always like man you know just for the hell of it I wish that there was like an alternate universe that you could just step into and just like watch that well that probably see is what that would have been like a parallel universe but, well somewhere. yeah I mean yeah I mean obviously you're a Marvel fan but yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not sure because, you know, I, you know, we're all in the matrix, right? It's either, True that. It's either the matrix or a parallel universe or you're in the matrix and there's a parallel universe. Who knows? Ooh, yes. <laughs> Another level. <laughs> so, so as you're watching this movie, right? So we set up with this movie with, um, with a really mean woman, like she's, you know, she's just really mean. She is <laughs> like quite she's mean. mean to her help. Yeah. She's just rude. She's self-deprecating as well. She won't even play her own, you know, song or whatever it is. You know, we don't know why at first, but you know, we find out later on. Um, and, and she's just really re really mean and, and rude and obnoxious and, you know, and it's just, ugh, I hate it. She won't even, in, in, in one of the most surprising sort of like openings, she won't even see her own husband. Right comes to visit her and she's just like, especially him. I don't want to see him. And like, he can't even get up to like go see her or whatever. And it's just like really strange, like the whole setup. And we don't, we don't exactly know why we don't really ever find out why their relationship is really that way. Is it because he's an alcoholic? Is it because she's just mean? Well, I mean, you would think that he just wouldn't want to see her, but it's the other way around. So do, we don't really ever find out why that is. No. You know, so that's sort of like, I don't know, it's really like that to me is like one tiny little flaw of the script that I kind of wanted to know, like, what did he do? Or maybe he didn't do anything and she just, you know, she sucks, you know? Um, right. Like, who knows? Like, it, it's it's open to interpretation, I guess. But um, that seemed like the their dynamic was so bad. It seems like something really bad had to happen between them, but you just don't really get to know what it is. Um, and I'm sure that there's some, something out there, you know, maybe the writers at some point may, must have like said 
something about it, but I don't know. We don't really get to learn that here. Um, but, uh, you know, so he's, he's upset and he goes, gets drunk in a bar and playing the piano and introduced to a good, yeah, flaps his hair around and, you know, we get to meet his friend and who's, you know, kind of his, uh, you know, guardian angel, so to speak. Oh, that was so sweet when um, he put him to bed. Yeah. It really kind of reminded me of, um, in a lonely place with, uh, uh, Dix is not Dix. What's yeah? Is it Dix right? I don't know. Dix is the only place jungle. I can remember. Yeah, I think it's okay. Maybe I maybe I'm getting his name. I can't remember his name in a lonely place. But um, Humphrey Bogart's character in Lonely Place, um, his his agent or whatever is always taking care of him. Um, you know, so it all it kind of gave me throwback vibes to that, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, but he said, yeah. That first opening scene where he's playing the piano, I thought was the worst piece of music in this movie. <laughs> I mean, you're seeing him play, so it looks like he's actually playing, but it's just like, it sounds like such a mess. And maybe that's on purpose because he's such a mess. Yeah. But they're talking about like the like dialogue he's amazing. is like, the opposite. Yeah. He's yeah. so brilliant. <laughs> is he? Yeah. And, and it's, it's funny because later on the music's great, but that one piece is just kind of like, really? <laughs> like that's not very good <laughs> so i thought that was kind of funny but that was what popped into my head this time watching it um but you know then we get to see him get put down into bed and the strangest of things that you'd only find in a noir movie his motel hotel boarding room whatever it is door locks from the outside I know, yeah. Uh, where like have we ever asylum. seen that before? Right. It's it's strange, but maybe it was put on the door because he's drunk and I mean you know, that's a big fire hazard. I'm just saying that is health and safety. Sure, would make, have a meal with that. Right. <laughs> Shocking. And uh, so that was one thing that you know when Shani and I were watching it we're just like that's ah, really weird but also popped in her head this is familiar we've seen this before and I'm like I think that comes into the plot later but I couldn't remember exactly what it was so I was still just like forcing myself to try to remember and think of what's you know what happens in this movie but um that was that's just a strange little feature of this film is like having a door that locks from the outside like he's a child but it all makes sense to his character. I'm thinking his friend had that put on the door kind of thing because, you know, of, of what happens, right? And what does happen? That night, his awful, obnoxious, annoying wife is what, Carly? Toast. Toast? Toast. <laughs> is strangled, strangled to death. She's put out of her evil, awful misery. Right. And the killer, as we see, leaves a, a little, what do you call it? A brooch piece of jewelry laying on her chest. Right. And we see this because a gentleman, another gentleman caller, shows up to her door and walks in because the door's open. And then bloody touches everything. Why would you touch? Yeah, right. Got, seriously, He's if I like, walked into oh. a room and like, oh, there's a dead person, <laughs> I know what I'll do. I'll pick up what's quite, you know, I'll pick up a gun or whatever. I'll just touch all the scarves. What are you doing, man? Get out and get on the phone. 
<laughs> right? And he's like, ah, dead body must touch that. Oh, record player, oh, let me touch that. Oh, touch gun, let me touch that. Yeah, I best touch everything that's in this room. <laughs> Just want to make sure everybody knows I was here, okay? <laughs> yeah, he did a bloody good job, quite frankly. And then when he's halfway through the phone call, he sees a shadow and thinks, do you know what? Instead of carrying on with this call to the police because the murderer might still be here, what I'll do is I'll put the phone down and I'll go and chase the shadow. And then I'll lock myself out. <laughs> And then I'll like look somebody in the eyeballs as I'm running away. And then claim that it it wasn't me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And and I'm wondering how does he get out? How does how does the killer get out of the room? Because like he you know what I mean? Like there's no he'd have to walk past him to get out, right? I was thinking that. I mean, it's not a big apartment. Yeah, it just seems like the logistics of it seem a little awkward with how he escapes. You, you know, because he he turns around, or he sees the brooch is gone. He turns around and the front door is like swinging, you know, as if the killer's left. But it's like, how the hell did that happen? Yeah, <laughs> and know? also with with the ending, how the freaking hell did he get out that fast without falling over a table and like swearing at fifteen inanimate objects? <laughs> you think about it he was you know he's in a drunken blur how the hell mm-hmm. did he get out that swiftly i couldn't get out that swiftly if i was pumping coffee right yeah i don't know I, you know but i mean you know it's, it's, it's suspension of disbelief you gotta kind of just roll with the punches but try that um yeah you know there's there's a few little quirky things that that pop up but it doesn't really detract from the movie itself because there's a lot of fun to be had in this movie you know with the 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 love triangles and all that kind of stuff you know so he his wife dies and the police come to visit him and question him and you know whatever and he's in the clear and then um the man that discovered his wife's body he has touched everything cuz he's a genius <laughs> and Right. And the cops show up and obviously they arrest him. Right. They're not buying his story. Uh, there's a lot of evidence against him where we find out that he's being blackmailed by this woman. And so now he's got motive, means and opportunity. Um, and the cops basically throw a book at him. Um, you know, the husband, the drunken husband, piano players in the clear because um, he's been locked in his room. Which nobody's um, bothered about. Night. Right. It's like right. a werewolf. I mean, it's just, right? <laughs> it's the first question I'd be asking, like, is and, he a vampire or a werewolf or something? Why are we locking him in? What's going well, on? And that's, exa- I, I think that's exactly what this guy's wife is is wondering. Like, this can't be my husband. This isn't him, you know, whatever. So I'm going to investigate myself and I'm going to go and, and I'm going to talk to this guy, right? And that's what she does. She goes and she interrogates him and she discovers that he, uh, you know, there's no way he could have done it because his room was locked from the outside. And, and what do you know? Who would have ever thought the two decide to investigate the murder together? Oh my God. This, right? this is the best part of the film. Them pair as detectives. Fucking Yeah. They, they, they not only do they pair as detectives, they also pair as a musical act. A musical jazz duo. <laughs> yeah, in order to infiltrate this nightclub, whom they believe is the actual killer of his wife because he saw him at the hotel the night that he tried to go to see his wife. Right? Now, the funny thing that if you're paying attention to the movie, the cops also saw this nightclub owner there that night. 
right? Which becomes a plot point later on. But I mean, if you're watching the movie, that's that's one like sort of strange plot point that pops up. Well, I mean, obviously they have, you know, seen another suspect or whatever. Why didn't they sort of mention that earlier on, you know? But anyways, so this dynamic duo, uh, you know, Batman and Robin that play jazz music, um, you know, infiltrate this nightclub and they discover that, yes, this guy knows his wife. They find an envelope with initials and all that kind of stuff. And there's a safe in the room and, you know, so they're undercover playing, you know, every week and uh, they're doing great because people love him because he's a well-known musician, but he's They're not you know, exactly bloody subtle or, though, are they? Come on, let's face it. No. That'd be like me and no, you undercover. Let's go dance over to the person. <laughs> da, 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 and they're spinning people out of the way. Da, and then they stand there and both stare at the person. It's like, stare at hey, no, <laughs> let's go shimmy that way. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Right. That's a fair weirdo. <laughs> yeah, they weren't they weren't exactly subtle with any of that. <laughs> but uh yeah, so they find out she finds out the safe combination. They figure out a way to get uh uh the club owner out of the nightclub and she goes up there and investigates and she gets caught. And this is where things start to tumble because then the cops show up and we discover that he's got an alibi and what they thought about him being there at, at the, you know, at, at the hotel to kill his wife. Uh, the cops already knew about it and they had actually picked him up because he's a known felon. Um, and so that's all shot to hell. Now they don't know who the killer is again. Um, and then things start to get even darker. So as we move along, we start to sort of watch, um, you know, our lead character sort of fall apart even further. He's trying to fall in love with this, uh, you know, this woman who is not having it because her husband, she still believes in him and, you know, he didn't do it, wants to get him out of jail. So um, he, he's now sinking into a greater depression because you know, he, he's lost his wife and now he also can't have this woman. And, uh, he starts uh, falling off the wagon again and getting drunk and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And had he not done that, we might have never found out who killed his wife, right? Because he gets drunk and he goes about the town and he goes into a bar and discovers a woman wearing the piece of jewelry has disappeared from his wife's dead body, right? Which is a piece of jewelry that he gave to her. And it's got an inscription. And once he discovers that, and the woman says, oh, you gave it to me. When did I give it to you? You know, like, oh, two weeks ago, whatever it was. And then things start to click for him. Oh, crap. What happened? How did that happen? I must have killed my wife, right? And that's exactly, you know, what we end up discovering. He goes back to, uh, uh, to the woman's house and, uh, tries to talk to her because her husband's on death row and she's gone and, you know, to visit her husband on death row before he's killed and he can't get a hold of the cops. So he can't tell anybody, which is kind of cool that he's wanting to, you know, sort of out himself to do the right thing. Um, and, and that's sort of like one of those weird sort of things that he, he has this, um, He's got this morality about him, which I really like. And even though he can't 
he can't remember exactly what he did. Now he knows what he did. And even though he can't remember it, there's this, there's still this, you know, this morality to him um, to try to help this person that's gone, that's been wrongfully accused and is in jail and is going to lose his life over it. Oh yeah. He did jump straight up, didn't he? And be like, it's me, it's me. We need to sort this out. Yeah. 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 Like he's even, even while he was drunk, he's trying to do the right thing. And like, you know what I mean? Like there's, and that, that's, uh, you know, I think some of us could relate to, you know, that sort of thing of like, you know, doing something wrong and just having absolutely no memory of, of doing it. There's this strange sort of guilt involved with that, um, that you might not even, it might even be worse than having remembered what you've done. You know what I mean? Like there's this strange sort of like oddness to that sort of factor of not actually remembering what you did, but just being told you did this by having zero recollection of doing it, um, you know, and still kind of having the morality of like, if I did that, you know, I deserve what I get kind of thing. Um, and that, that's the, the major thing about this film that I really, really like. And I think that's, that's what makes this a, a really great film noir, um, is because he has that sort of sensibility and that morality level, you know, not that he's perfect or anything. And obviously he's killed somebody, but, yeah. but because, yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's done something very wrong, but, um, you, he's not that person. He's not the sum of his actions really. Um, and I thought that was kind of cool. Um, so it was, I think, and I remembered the first time that I watched this film, like after I'd watched it the second time, like, you know, what a cool little plot points or twists there were in this film. I thought they were, they were pretty good and, and well, well done. If you don't, if you don't think too hard, you know, I mean, there's certain things that are going to say, oh, obviously it's him. Right. But, uh, the first time watching it, it's almost, yeah, I would say is like, I had no idea because I actually, at one point when they were, um, doing their little duo detective work, I just, mm -hmm. I thought in my head, I thought, God, if he was the murderer, that'd be like soul crushing. And then lo right, and behold, yeah. like, but it must've been about, 25, maybe 30 minutes later, he bloody was. Uh -huh. I didn't yeah. see that coming at all because I thought, no, didn't even enter my mind that he'd done it. Yeah, I, I think for me, it was like, oh, you know, it was probably him. I don't know how they did it. Maybe he jumped out the window. Or what I don't know. Who knows what, like how he got there. But I mean, they set it up in such a way where he can't get into the building and he's locked mm. in his room. Yeah. Right. So they set it up in such a way where it's like, okay, it wasn't the husband. Yeah. You know, you automatically however, he ends up. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then, you know, but of course all that gets rewritten when, when we see the flashbacks of him slipping past the doorman, you know, and, and everything that goes down. Um, or bribing the, the, the clerk at his, you know, place where he's staying with the locked door and all that. Um, as it seems like is a regular thing. Um, so it's really, it, it sort of has those, you know, kind of six sense sort of twisty vibes to it um, with those sort of like twist elements um, that I think only work the first time that you watch the movie. Um, it's, it's not as exciting upon second viewing, but that doesn't mean it's not, it's not good for what it is. Um, 
So I thought he did a great job with the twists and the, the morality of the character and all that. <clears throat> so I don't know, Carly, anything else, uh, anything else you want to discuss on this film? I was a little bit disappointed about where it finished. Oh yeah. I would really? have liked, okay. I would have liked so? another scene or two because it, it, you just sat on a bloody sofa. Oh, I did it. And she's like, Oh, Mm-hmm. Did did the husband you die? You wanted to see him like. I wanted to see him like because he'd messed about and not actually got in touch with the police properly. I wanted to see like the husband had been electrocuted and she was like, "Ah, I'm gonna kill you!" Woo! <laughs> or I uh, see so you wanted a really like a, dark ending. Yeah, or I wanted to see like a re- resolution of like him swapping places. You know, like her happy with her husband, or even her telling her husband to fuck off, but him being alive, and then the other mm-hmm. dude going to the chair. Just something, just not, yeah. just not a cup of tea in the living room. That's what it felt like a little bit. Mm. So, oh, I was waiting for the next bit, and then it went off. Yeah, I can see that. I, I feel like, um, I feel like the husband angle was resolved because you see the the cop on the phone and calling the mayor or whatever it was. Um, but that would have been kind of a cool little end scene if we do see him like in the electric chair or whatever it is. Um, that could be interesting. Um, I think that would have been super dark had the husband died and, and he goes to jail and well, you know, stuff happens. So, you know, right. Yeah. I mean, that would be interesting. That would be interesting, especially, you know, for that time period. Um, I think it might've been a little too dark for people, but I don't know. It's a good job. I uh, wasn't around in the forties, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's, that's jail. a pretty, I think it's a pretty cool idea though. I think that could have worked. It'd be interesting to see. See, that's that other universe, you know, that other multiverse that we need to be able to step into and see, you know, see what those alternate endings could have been. Yep. All right. Well, uh, Carly, let's do uh, our rating on this. Why don't you give me your lowdown of what you thought and uh, how many gens are we looking at for this film? I think you might be surprised by this. Okay. All right. I'm going to give it nine surprises. gins. Mm. All right. You know, th- that surprises ten. me because you're kind of hard on films sometimes. And then it also doesn't surprise me because I feel like this is something you would like. Um, but that's also been hit or miss for me. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, Carly's going to love this. And then you're like, ah, that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go, Carly's going to hate this. And I'm like, I want to be in the FBI. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's get filing cabinets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right. So what yeah. what was the high points? What were the low points? Like you have anything you didn't like? Why wasn't it a tent? So obviously I wasn't keen on how it just stopped. I feel like I needed a bit like fear in the night where it just stopped, where he walked out of, mm. out of the jail or the courthouse, whatever, and was just like, ah. felt like an episode of Happy Days. I wanted just another right, yeah, yeah. scene that just, even if it was just a cringy, happy little scene, I just wanted something else. Um, yeah. I really liked the twist. You need it. I really did like the yeah. twist because I didn't see it coming. And even though there's issues with it, I still really liked it because it crossed my mind as something that would be brilliant. And then I discounted it straight away. And then it happened. Uh-huh. <laughs> So I, I did. So I liked the little, the little. I did like the little bit of comedy in it as well. I don't know whether that was intentional or not, 
But when them pair we were investigating, they did have some nice little comedy moments, actually. Obviously, like darker comedy. But they did. They were quite funny. They were nice. It reminded me of um, 39 Steps when them when he was dragging her around. You know what? It, and they were having them little moments it remind- that were just sarky. I quite liked it. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. You know what it reminded me of, and I think it might even be an homage to that film, is uh, the Schwarzenegger uh, and Jamie Lee Curtis movie. Oh, uh, True, True Lies. Lies. Yeah. Yeah. Because that totally reminds me of the whole ballroom scene with the dancing and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure that's probably been in plenty of other films. But, um, you know, I think 39 Steps sort of had something like that, too. And Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's really kind of reminded me of that. I always like snippy so interactions. Yeah, I always like snippy mm-hmm. interactions because I'm quite like that generally. Like if you work with me or mm-hmm. like I'm such a sarcastic little asshole. And then when somebody can snap back, that makes my day. That's brilliant. Them little <laughs> little snippy banter and interactions. <laughs> and, and that's what they have. Yeah, until they piss you off. Until and then I take some off, fingers. Then, then like, I cut the fingers off. Yeah, so. you go yeah. <laughs> you go into beast mode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know me too well. I <laughs> <laughs> right, cool. That's that's good. I I'm I think I'm right there with you. Um I I'm going to give it 8 oh gens out of out of 10 gens because not not cuz I like hate it or anything like that just because I realize the rewatchability of it um makes it not as strong. But the first time that you see it, it's really great. Um, but if you remember what happens in the film, it's the same thing as Sixth Sense. Like there's really no point to watch the Sixth Sense again yeah. after you've watched it once. It's like there's everything relies on the ending. And then it's like, oh, why would I watch that again? Right. Um, and that's kind of the same thing with this one. It's like if enough time goes by and you just want to enjoy it for what it is, that's cool. But you're not going to be surprised by it again. It's that kind of movie. Now, the only people that, um, that so it loses the gen bottle for that. and stuff is just to pick faults with it. Either that or really bad memories. <laughs> like the lead character of Black Angel would watch it because he'd black out. That's it, he like, didn't oh, I don't remember that movie. <laughs> Did I kill the guy? I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so that it loses a star for that. And then it loses a star for, or it's not a star, gen bottle. Jen, 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 Jen. Uh, loses a gin bottle for that. It loses a yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and it loses a bottle for uh for that opening piece of music that he's playing that does not sound great. <laughs> Which is funny to me, but maybe that's just subjective and you know, or objective. And I just need to like, you know, let that one go. Who knows? Um But uh other otherwise, I thought it was a really solid film. I thought it was, you know. There's a lot of fun aspects to it, a little bit of comedy that's in there, the unique story of itself. Um, and uh, I thought there's more than just the twist ending. There's there's a couple of twists in the film of like how, you know, how did he do this, you know, kind of thing. Um, and, and I'm curious about the lock on the outside of the door, you know, did people do that commonly? Oh, well, maybe, <laughs> or, maybe. Or, yeah. <laughs> I could have used a little bit more of his friend in the movie. Um, yeah, he disappeared, you know, didn't he, all good... of a sudden? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, otherwise, I thought it was pretty solid. So I give it eight, you give it nine. And overall, you know, it's just a really great film that people should watch. And it's been remastered. There's a 
uh, I think a, a Blu-ray maybe, or just a DVD of it. It's out there with some updated like color artwork and whatever. Um, but it's a good film, easy to find. And, uh, I think everybody at home should watch it. I agree. So, all right, guys. Um, yeah, I think that's it for today's show. That's black angel and you can enjoy it with your drink, the black angel till next time guys. Bye-bye. He's looking at you, kid. Thanks for joining us this week on the Speakeasy Noir cast. Make sure to visit our website, resurrectionfilms.net, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or any of your favorite podcast apps so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, The Dark Side of Acting Up and The Dark Side of Acting Up Volume 2, now available on Amazon. Or you can check out one of our films, also available on Amazon Prime. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Speakeasy Noir Cast.